0: Hello and welcome to the Hello Darkness Podcast. I am your host, Esther Edelkoff. In this week's episode, I interviewed Rachel Goodman, registered dietitian. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think you will too. In this conversation, we explored intuitive eating, letting go of food rules, why diets don't work, and the dangers of diet culture. Without any further ado, I present episode 7 of Hello, Intuition. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: Hi. Thank you. I'm good. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you. I've been like dying to talk about intuitive eating in this space because I think it's so important, and I think every single person benefits from learning about this, hearing about this, and it's so exciting to have an expert here.
1: Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. Well, you definitely got the right person because I'm equally excited, if not more, to talk about it. Like, whenever there's a chance to talk about it and share the message, like, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm here.
0: So, I want to start off with you just telling me a little bit about yourself, your background, how you came to do this work.
1: Okay. So, um, let's start from the very beginning. I won't take you through each detail, mm-hmm. but it started with me having an unhealthy relationship with food and struggling and being like... Okay, I need to figure myself out, so then I can help other people. So
0: I feel like that's why so many people get into the field of nutrition.
1: Yeah, yeah, and FYI, just getting literally deep into it already. Um, in the nutrition field, like dieticians, um, they they do have like increased risk of uh, disordered eating because yeah. you go into it with this diet like perfection mentality i'm the dietitian, so i have to like be an example and so then it becomes a stress and you know like this obsession and, and things like that but for me so for me um yeah i went to college with this thing of like i have to learn how to eat in a way that like works and is healthy and we could get into what i thought healthy was of course mm-hmm. and diet culture and all of that um and then i could figure myself out and help other people. And so it worked to an extent. So as a dietitian, I did learn a lot about nutrition, carbs, protein, fat, you know, I will say that, um, going to college does help in not doing like understanding that extreme diets and fads don't work. So I think for the most part, dietitians who are educated in nutrition, um, as much as many of them promote this, like focus on weight loss and things like that. There's a lot of science to it. Yeah. There's a lot of science to it and and they don't like, um, promote anything extreme, Right. Yeah. I feel um, like it's a good time to mention fun fact. We were in the same program together. Yeah, right? working college. And yeah.
0: For me, like I found personally, the more I went into the field of nutrition, mm-hmm. the more disordered I became. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's something going on underneath all yes. this, and that's why I pivoted to psychology.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. You're like, I gotta get to the root root. Yeah.
0: I'm like, this isn't working. I'm just, I'm
1: struggling more and more with this. That's fascinating. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of like what happens is that I learned all the nutrition and I did start eating more like what you call a balanced meal and understanding how my body works. And so that did improve. The only issue is, is that. I continued to binge eat and I continued to stress and I continued and, and the thing is is that now there was more shame attached yeah, to it. Yeah, it's because so shameful.
0: You're supposed to be an expert. You're supposed to be an example.
1: Exactly. And so especially where I worked also I would always bring my yogurt and granola and fruit and everyone was like, oh Rachel's you know, she's a nutrition student. She's so healthy. Um, and I, like, I'd laugh along ha ha ha, mm-hmm. right? Like this is what I was known for. Um, and then like when no one was looking, I literally demolished half a cake to the extent where like I don't know what, it, like my back started, like the weirdest places started yeah. to hurt. Like, you know, when you binge binging and there was so much more shame attached to it. Cause I'm like, how can I possibly be a dietitian, preach all this health and stuff and like then secretly be doing this. And then I would blame it on myself. It's like, but you know the information. So you just don't have willpower. Yeah.
0: like I think like the most painful part of that process on some level is like the more extreme binging you go, the more extreme restricting you go. Mm-hmm like you could start off like oh i'm trying to be healthier and then you like binge and then there's the compensation and then there's the bigger binge and then there's the more compensation mm-hmm. and you just feel so
1: stuck in that cycle yeah and the more you're trying to control food the more and more out of control you feel and <sighs> yeah we're like we're, we're like feeling it like we're yeah. going back to feeling yeah. that and um and i'm sure people who are listening they're like oh my god like yeah yeah like they feel the emotion cuz they themselves have you know if you've experienced this you know what we're talking about um and so the thing is that you get so desperate that even as someone who was, even, I think I was in my third year of college, I had a good amount of knowledge of nutrition, education, and body physiology, all that. I still remember doing this like juicing detox where I had juice for Mm. only five days. And and this is just to say like if you're, if anyone's listening like judging themselves, I'm like, I know these extremes to work and I still do. it. It's like I was a nutrition student and I fell for Mm. it because as much as I had logic, I was so desperate. When you're so desperate, you don't you don't see clearly. You just want a solution, and you're not looking at like the deeper like you said you went to learn psychology like mm. you're you're not looking at the deeper issues here because the desperation and the frustration is almost blocking out the rationale and emotion. Like,
0: what's your understanding connection? of what the desperation is? Do you think it's like the impossible beauty standards, like the thin ideal, mm-hmm. like there's no such thing as being thin enough in our culture or is it like that desire for control to have the perfect there's major air quotes going on here like the perfect clean diet Mm -hmm. to eat morally superior or like Yeah. yeah
1: I think actually now now that you're saying like the morally superior like clean thing that's a part of it that's evolved more through time, like when I first went to college, it wasn't as extreme, or you know, social media, I started college in uh, 2011, so Instagram started 2012. Like I think with the growth of Instagram and these perfect bowls and this like warped sense of perfectionism, that part has gotten worse. Like the orthorexic Yeah, like obsessive, like you're obsessed with eating healthy to the point where it's unhealthy, but I think that it's kind of multifactorial in that um, it starts with body image, for sure, because um, for most people, um, and if you're listening, think of this, if this is true for you, for most people, why did you start the first diet to begin with? Many people um, start the first diet just to lose the 10 pounds, just to look like, again, ear quotes here, better according yeah. to what society tells you. And there's a lot of pressure because there's the diet industry that has now grown to $70 billion in really feeding off of your insecurities and making sure that you want their product, even if your body size is like socially acceptable, yeah. you're still not good enough. And because then the, you're the BMI
0: changing from like making the span of healthy weight smaller according to the BMI, which is complete bullshit. Oh, in 1998. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Which, is, by the way, fun fact: a lot of people don't know this. Yeah, the overweight, um, and I hate saying the word overweight, because over what weight? Like, who decided that, right? It was never meant to be a marker of health. It was- um, It's for insurance companies, by actuaries.
0: Yeah, Yeah. but it was
1: originally created as a tool just to, like, observe, um, like, it was more of an observation tool of looking at, you know, different body sizes and different populations. It was used on uh, men, white men. That's- what the BMI started off as from like a um, mathematician or, or for like a statistic or yeah. something. And um, in 1998, they, the, the normal, quote unquote, category was like up to BMI of 27, but that didn't fit smoothly into like, you know, it's an odd number. Yeah. So they changed it to 25 to be in line with the different categories of overweight obese, like all that. Um, and so overnight, suddenly with this change, you're suddenly overweight, which by the way, we can do a whole podcast episode just on how ridiculous BMI is. Yeah. Um, it's beyond
0: ridiculous, but I think it's really important to acknowledge it Yeah. because I remember as a kid, I went to the doctor and I wasn't like massively overweight, but he was like, you're overweight because of like as a BMI. As a child.
1: Yeah. And like, then I was put on a diet. What did I, Let's yeah. just give it over to you a second. Like, what did I do to you? if That's okay. Like as a child hearing that. I think I was made to be more aware
0: of my food choices, mm-hmm. like, overnight, which isn't, like, a fair thing to do. I think I was a pretty intuitive eater before then. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it was like, oh, I can have this. I can't have this. And then I remember, like, very distinctly, like, I was put on Weight Watchers, and wow. marshmallow fluff was, like, mm. low points. I'm just, like, eating a whole tub of marshmallow fluff, which How I cannot eat healthy? until this day. Cause Interesting. I, I find it like disgusting and it was like my one thing that I was allowed to like mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah and I think that's what restriction does and that people thinking if I restrict I'll have more control but actually you know you're going to want it more and what's interesting is that when you let go of that restriction a lot of people think like if I let go of restriction then I'm going to eat all the things but when you let go of restriction you're also letting go of judgment and guilt and then all those cues that you're blocking from your body they come to the surface and you hear them And it's, it's pretty common to have like a client tell me, you know, I had those chocolates that I thought were so amazing and I built them up in my head. And now that I had them, they they weren't not good, but it was just like, man, like, okay, well, what was so exciting about it? Not that we're looking to have food burnout. There were plenty of other things. but it's more of like a
0: neutrality. It's like, it doesn't, it's not
1: the worst or the best thing ever. Right. Exactly. And so just going back to your original question of what kind of drives people to this disordered eating and this want of control, uh, definitely think it starts with body image. And like, I just, you know, this idea of if I'm smaller, I'm better. If I'm smaller, I'll be happier. People Which will like me. It's reinforced in everything we consume mm-hmm. media-wise. Mm-hmm. And has gotten only worse. Yeah. Especially, especially with... Instagram and now the filters, which by the way, lately, if you've been seeing them, I, I, felt, like when they first started coming out, they were so subtle that I'm like, it was
0: fun. It was like puppy ears and like yeah. unicorns, and now all of a sudden it's like you don't recognize yourself.
1: And I, it's so subtle where I remember following a certain like a influencer thinking like, "Oh my God, her eyeliner is so good, <laughs> like her skin is so clear for just for for a few slides and like hold up, hold up I, and i 'm like that's a filter mm. and it's so dangerous like not, I'm saying like, do what you want on social media i'm not judging anyone who's using that like they could be fun i'm tempted sometimes to use it because especially when you wake up like sleep deprived and like mm. whatever you're like you're tempted." um but it just shows to what extent our culture is like literally living through uh uh uh, uh, what's the word like this like an illusion dysmorphia dysmorphia 24 7. so i think it's so important to practice so much self-compassion as you go through this journey Mm -hmm. of healing knowing that you're going against the grain yes you're doing what's best for you and you're healing but it does require you to go against the grain and almost really brave yeah
0: It's really brave to say, you know what? I'm not partaking in the rat race for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be battling the same 10 pounds at the sacrifice of my sanity, my relationships, Mm. my joy.
1: And I will say it's like, you know, with the number of pounds and stuff like that, someone might be listening and be laughing and being like, oh
0: if it was only that much well i'm saying 10 pounds because people don't tend to lose a lot of weight with diets diets don't work oh oh yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah um and so right exactly that's another thing it's like they don't work like you lose however much weight and then in the long run we're not that's the thing people get stuck on the short run it's like oh but i kept it off a year or two and it's like but but what about five years and a lot of these studies also if you look at them the diet studies that show that they're like which are often
0: sponsored by diet companies. That, that too, <laughs> FYI,
1: and a lot of people don't know how to read. Uh, not because like either of us is like better than anyone else who doesn't know how to read a research paper, but I took an entire course in college. I don't know. I don't know if that was part of yeah. your thing, but like you take an entire course in college how to read research papers, and so a lot of these diets are like, oh. Research says, research says, and you have no idea what the research what actually What the control says. group was like, what, yeah. how long the
0: study went on for, what mm-hmm. they were actually measuring. Mm-hmm. If what they were measuring matches up with the claims that they're making. Mm-hmm. I'll
1: give you a really good example. I mean, we can do a whole topic on this. We won't for now, but like mm-hmm. just because uh, this is a popular one, the whole uh, sugar addiction thing. So there was a really popular study that came out with rats and they're like they would looked at the mri of their brains and they fed them sugar and they saw that the mri the pleasure uh, reward responders mm-hmm. really went up high and then they used that to compare it to the reward response of cocaine and then they said sugar is as addictive as cocaine here's what they missed out and you know when the news reports on these things they report it as sensationalized as possible so it goes viral so they end up making money from ads that's that's mm-hmm. the reason what they didn't report is that they starved those rats for twelve hours prior to giving them straight up liquid sugar. And so the response wasn't addiction, it was response to it was a survival response. They were starving. And yes, the the, the reward response lit up because it's supposed to light up. Because if it wouldn't light up and you wouldn't get pleasure from food, you wouldn't be motivated to mm-hmm, eat it. When mm-hmm. you listen to music, it lights up. When you hold a baby, anything that gives you pleasure, it lights up. The reason why it lit up to such an extent is because of that starvation factor. That's so, an important
0: so, factor. Yeah, yeah, and so
1: people are hearing this study like it's addictive as cocaine, and they're missing such important factors. And then they're fi- and then what happens is they believe that it's addicting. Yeah. They restrict, and, and then, then it's it a self-fulfilling a prophecy too because yeah. now they're restricted. Restricted people also have a higher reward response to food and therefore more driven to eat. And so then it does the binge eating cycle and then they're kind of almost, see, proved it to you. I'm addicted. It's like, no, there's so it, it, it's so much deeper than that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, going back to, it does start with the body image factor, but I do think for some people, you know, control is a good one that yeah. you mentioned, where especially if other factors of your life are out of control, you want to feel in control, and food seemingly feels like it's an action that you do, so I can control it. Yeah, I think intuitive eating is
0: one area where we can be really to ourselves and we can really shift but I think like once you adapt an intuitive mindset it doesn't stop with eating it's mm. like it's, it's amazing it's about reconnecting with yourself and food is so primal it's how we have our infant attachment with our mothers it's so deeply embedded in our psychosexual development in the way that we live in this world how we nurture ourselves is how we love ourselves and how we were loved but it doesn't end there we can learn to listen to ourselves learn to trust ourselves in every area of our life which i think food is a really powerful way to enter that but the benefits of intuitive eating go way beyond food
1: that is such a beautiful important point and it's also what i talk a lot about when i talk about intuitive eating You know, it's beyond the food. Food is the gateway, like making peace with food is the gateway to living your life fully. Because then, you know, you're going on a date and you're not stressed out about what the food's gonna be. You're not coming home bloated and stuffed and feeling horrible and regret and thinking how you're gonna compensate. You know, you're able to build memories with your children because you're just present and not worried about having a tray of cookies in your house. There's just so much that opens up to you in life. That's why often I call this, it's like value-based living
0: you know, you're mm, able
1: to, live. yeah, that. yeah, it's, you're able, when food is no longer a barrier or stress and you trust yourself, which by the way, for anyone who doesn't, we're talking about intuitive eating, anyone's like listening, like, what are you, what yeah, is intuitive eating? Yeah, yeah, I feel eating? like we need a <laughs> backtrack
0: for a second. What what's would it? you, like, what's the like five seconds or five minute spiel, what is intuitive eating?
1: Yeah, okay, so intuitive eating is, there's 10 principles to it, but in a nutshell, it's eating in a way that aligns with what your body needs it's taking into consideration physical, emotional mental needs, really feeling your best and enjoying food without guilt and in I a way know that for so me. many people
0: that sounds impossible
1: yeah. Yeah, it does feel overwhelming and impossible, um, but it is when you start to break it down, right? So there's 10 principles. It's not like you just jump in. And I say this to people also, they're like, if I give myself cake right now, there's no way I'm not going to eat at all and just go on an awful out binge. First of all... Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need Mm. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone's journey and process is different to peace with food. But I also give the option, you know, if you're really scared of that, then let's take it one step at a time and... You know, do it in a way that feels safe to you. What, what do you need to start with? Primal thing you need to do is make sure you're eating enough. Because if mm-hmm. you're constantly restricting and starving yourself and then you go eat cake, that binge has less to do with self-control and emotions as it does with primal hunger. I also think there's space to say that you need other coping skills because a
0: binge mm-hmm. can be a fantastic way to survive. It numbs you out. Mm-hmm. You're not emotionally present. It's soothing. It's... Mm-hmm has that like oral fixation factor to it Mm -hmm. and if you're not engaging in other coping skills other surviving skills taking away a binge can be really dysregulating Mm -hmm. you don't have a way to survive this very stressful thing that's happening if you're not working on other coping
1: skills that's so important and i think that's what comes in with the people who eat emotionally you know it's which we all do yeah which we all do i think we demonize emotional eating Emotional eating um, becomes something that doesn't benefit you anymore, like you said, when you feel dysregulated.
0: Yeah, when it's a coping skill that isn't
1: actually helping you cope. Exactly, exactly. Because you're still left with what you have to deal with after, except now your body feels really badly. And then... And then you know, if you're not practicing self-compassion, you're even meaner to yourself yeah. and just worse off. Mm. And so, yeah, and so there's, as you can see, there's just so many moving factors to being able to eat intuitively, and it's also very individual into where you're at in your journey. Because I have some clients who are not, um, they're like, I-, I don't have like an emotional um, like struggle with it, right? And and their thing is more about fear of foods and being yeah. able to eat enough, while other people are like, well, I eat enough and I eat nutritious foods and I actually really like healthy foods, but um, I just can't stop binge eating in the evenings or when I when when things are stressful at work. So it's also assessing for yourself what kind of eater are you, what kind of mm-hmm. personality are you. There's so much that goes into it and seeing wh- where do what's I what's your relationship to start? with food like exactly yeah. exactly where you need to start and so. Um, there are 10 principles to it. it, and I think it's important to know that because on social media oftentimes we'll only see the full permission one of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I ate a cookie, I ate a cake, I ate ice cream. Give yourself permission, give yourself permission, which is so important. But if you don't have that, that, that framework of understanding how to make that happen, you just keep feeling out of control all the time, yeah. not knowing what's, why, it's not, why you're not figuring it out.
0: I think on the opposite end of the spectrum, just from like a social media perspective, we see the full permission, and then we also see the gentle nutrition,
1: mm-hmm. like
0: amplified. Where like sometimes in social media, intuitive eating is promoted as a diet. Oh yeah. Which is just so frustrating. It makes me want to pull my hair out. Yes,
1: yes. When it's like hijacked and like, oh, I eat intuitive. Like you can lose X amount of pounds and still eat whatever you want, just like I did. And then people judge themselves and like, well, why can't I do that? You know, yeah. um, a lot of my
0: patients are like, if I'm doing it intuitive eating right, I should lose weight, right? right. And it's like, no, you I might, mean not right, but you, right might, you, you might you might gain think. weight, and it might be really important
1: weight to gain, mm-hmm. depending on your history and mm-hmm. who you are, and so. Uh, That's intuitive eating in in a nutshell. There's so much to it. There's 10 principles to it. You know, there's honoring your hunger, respecting your fullness, uh, coping with your emotions, respecting your body, gentle nutrition, and they all kind of integrated. So that's what you're saying. Like with diet culture, let's say they'll often pick out three. They'll do honor your hunger, respect your fullness, gentle nutrition. But it's not going to fully work if you're missing all these other components. And mm-hmm, so, if mm-hmm. you're new to intuitive eating, obviously, like we, we can't do every single detail of it now. But just know that um, if you're feeling like you're you're stuck right now, um, you're probably missing some links. So go like you know, let yourself learn more about it. Even if, if you're someone scared. wants
0: to like start this journey, where would you recommend the jumping off point
1: to be? I would say start with educating yourself on what it is like before so you like even ordering know. the book <laughs> yeah order yeah. the book start with the intuitive eating book uh see who you're following on social media do kind yeah. of a, a inventory of who's serving you who's not um that's so and, important mm-hmm. yeah protecting your mental space yeah. i think is so important like if you're committing to and when i say committing if you're too scared to actually take a step forward it's like okay commit to educate yourself start there Right. Don't pressure yourself into that. And then once you do say, okay, what's gonna, you know, can I try, um, honoring my hunger more consistently? You know, can I try this one new food and, 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 and really be with it and remove judgment from it and overcome food rules? Um, follow people who are conducive to that, like in terms of social media, um, and so
0: stop following people that make you feel like
1: shit. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's so important. And by the way, I even do this like not necessarily in, in terms of intuitive eating, but every once in a while, I will do an inventory and see who I'm following. And, you know, I'll be like, okay, has this account, it's not personal to the person, it's just, has this account been serving me? You know, and then, okay, no, unfollow. I want to be very hyper-aware of what I'm letting into my environment, especially since we already live in such a diet culture, thin-obsessed environment where you're going to see it no matter where. Your social media feed is so powerful because you 100% control it.
0: Yeah, and also, when we see images, we think that they're true. Like, we're not sitting there checking if they're photoshopped. Mm-hmm. Even like when it comes to like mommy accounts, like maybe you shouldn't follow mommies that are perfect all the time. Like yeah. it doesn't, this sort of like perfectionism, which is, has the perfect place in social media because there are the filters and you can take that one moment. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Like yeah. so many times it's been like, wow, that person has, is so healthy and has such an amazing body. And then you realize like they have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. and it's like the perfect place to hide so being a very conscious consumer of the media that we
1: digest Mm -hmm. I think those are very good starting places and to circle back to value based living you know who is aligned with your values that's one of the things um, I, I do and I encourage everyone who's listening to do with my clients It's like let's get clear on what your values are and decision making is so much easier in life especially how do you define values in this space with intuitive eating Well, I would say, like, is a value
0: something, I think a lot of times when I talk about values from, like, an ACT, Mm -hmm. um, acceptance, commitment therapy, therapy. yeah, from that standpoint, it's a lot of my patients struggle, like, am I, is a value something that I aspire to, or is a value something that I live with, because there's a lot of things that I aspire to that I don't live with constantly.
1: I would define, it's kind of, because for me, it's like, value is a value, but if we're going to explain what a value is, it's. What is, you know, important to you in life? And it's not just what's important. What makes you feel whole? What makes yeah. you feel like you're living in alignment with who you're meant to be? Who you are? What's purposeful for you? And it could be something you, you... I would say that all our values, we're not always making decisions with our values. Like, we're human, right? Sometimes we're out of our values. And that's a sign, by the way. You know? Yeah, there's just so much anxiety. To not be in line with your values. Yeah, that's when you're not feeling good with your life or with your food choices or things like that. It's like, okay, I'm out of alignment with my values because I'm not living who I truly want to be and who I truly am. And so that's why really understanding your values. And here's how it relates to intuitive eating. Um, Because there will be times where there's conflict in like, I really wish I can be smaller. Or I'm really struggling yeah. with my body today. And of course we feel that way because of the world that we live in. Yeah, exactly. And so it's very tempting to be like, okay, I'm going to restrict. and going to do this diet. This time it's going to work. Or I'm not going to have this or that, right? Um, but then if you know your values and, you know, get to... There's so many different values in life. Mm-hmm. But if you can kind of condense them into your five to seven core values that everything else falls under, um, it's asking yourself, okay... You know is um okay i'll give an example with with like a, cl- sure. a client that we actually talked about this um she really likes having her meals planned out right she's very organized type like organization is a value for her and so you know this is also something if you like to plan your meals you could be intuitive and plan your meals because you're thinking wait is this aligning with my value of organization that i like order and having my meals planned out or is it aligning you know, like a search with for control. Str- exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's, it's like, is it too good.
0: anxiety-provoking
1: in the moment to make a mm-hmm. intuitive decision? Right, exactly. And so, no, I mean, you, you should be able to make an intuitive decision on the moment. Like, if that's anxiety-producing, that's probably because you have some food rule going on. Yeah. But the point is is that, so one of our values is, like, I like organization, so we've, we've worked on the intuitive eating part, and then... I think when it comes to meal planning and in intuitive eating, it's how flexible are you? Okay? Yeah, how flexible. Such an are important you? parameter. Yeah, yeah, you can plan, and the intuitive like measure is if it doesn't work out as you want it to, how flexible are you with yeah. being okay with it? Does it like shut up your whole day? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's so it's like such a common diet thing, like right. There's nothing to order at the restaurant, so like you end it up wasn't like binging, or you end up not having anything, right? And it's like you're not present, you're not enjoying
1: it, right? And so, uh, living along with your values, for example, so this client really likes to be organized with her meals, but then her friend will spontaneously be like, Let's go out for dinner. And in the past, it would have been like, But I have to have my meal, it's organized, and I need to know what I'm eating, and I need to know the ingredients. Mm. Da, da, da. Um, and so when we talked about values, one of her values is connection investing in her relationships mm-hmm. and things like that and it's like okay you know which value is the one you want to live in alignment now that will feel good and she's like you know what i went out to you with my friend it wasn't exactly the perfect foods i wanted i know it's one meal but you know what i had such a great time with her i really came home feeling full because i didn't let the food Control me or decide for me. I was There's flexible such a enough in life when
0: yeah. food is controlling you. Exactly,
1: and so here by having her value, she was able to lean into that, lean into that, and be like, okay, it's it's healthy to have connection, and this brings me joy. And so yeah, as much as I have joy from having a pre-made meal, and that makes me feel good, today I chose connection because that's you know the value that I feel most aligned in right now, and it's okay. I'll have my meal after, and so that's just one example of how knowing your values and leaning into them um, when you're tempted to stay within that diet think, like let's say the, the, also the body image aspect of things um, it, it comes back to you know what there's cookies now that I'm baking with my kids it, it's more it matters more to me to be there for them and with them um, I'm just saying kids because I have kids but like yeah. it could be your nieces or nephews or whatever well, But I find
0: that I see with my patients that kids is such a examining point, especially like when women have daughters, of like, okay, like I've just accepted all this stuff, like that I need to be thin and that I need to be X, Y, and Z because I've been told it. But is that something I want to pass down to my daughter? Mm. Yeah. It's such a humbling experience. Like mm-hmm. I mean it happens also with sons. I think kids do that, but like that sort of question of like, oh like I have all these values that might be intrinsic, they might be extrinsic, they might have been given to me. Who gave them to me? How are they benefiting mm-hmm. me? How are they benefiting the diet industry? And really questioning like, are your values really your values or do you think you should have these values? Like, is this a hill that you're willing to die on? That is
1: such a good point where, you know, people will say, well, my value is being thin. It's like, okay, well, what, first of all, being thin is not a value. Like what around being thin is your is, is is your value? What does thinness represent to you that you believe it's your value? And is it the narrative that you chose for yourself? And I think you know, you can you can choose a new narrative. That's not to say to erase the old one completely, because especially as children, if you've been given a core belief. I feel like you take it through your entire life yeah. and it's not realistic to be like, I'm, I'm going to eradicate this. And when it's, you're stressed or when you're triggered, you go back to it. Right. It's more about how to cope with those thoughts and not letting it hijack your life and being at peace with yourself. That's why I love that your therapy is called hello darkness because you're like, okay, we're, we're, I mean, at least I think this is what you're doing. It's like, We're not looking to eradicate like old, like your all that, all that history. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like you can still live a full life and heal and still have those remnant thoughts, but it's how you choose to react to them Mm -hmm. and to what intensity is it affecting your life that determines the quality of your life. And so, you know, anyone who's trying to get rid of diet culture thoughts and break the cycle and all of that, it's being realistic with yourself in. Um, you absolutely can live a peaceful life with food, and still have days where you're like, "I just wish, you know, I look like X, Y, Z, and I could still eat this way." Like you could still have these remnants. It's no, really you're not about a
0: bad intuitive eater. Exactly. I think people are like, "I'm such a fake intuitive eater." Which right. It can't so be. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me so sad because it's like, it's a question of like at what point can you feel good enough?
1: Right, right. You can't
0: feel good enough. The diet cycle isn't working. And when we bring that mentality into intuitive eating, like, oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Mm -hmm. Am I, like, I find a lot of patients, like, they approach it with, like, a gusto that they'll, like, of a new diet. Do intuitive eating. I'm going to be the most intuitive intuitive eater ever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think... What they mean by that, and you can tell me if this is true, it's more they really hyper focus on the hungerfulness.
0: Yeah. Like now
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna eat when I'm hungry, I'm gonna stop when I'm full. And that is me being a perfect intuitive eater and it completely doesn't address the emotional part of being yeah. a human being. and the, the social aspect. Social, yeah. exactly, and the flexibility within that. And so there's no such thing as a perfect intuitive eater because there's no such thing as a perfect human. There's only moving forward and progress, and it's a journey and having that self-compassion. And I think that there a lot of people confuse self-compassion with excuses. Yeah. And they'll be like, um, no, yeah. I ate that way because da da, da 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 da, right? And and if I if I'm self-compassionate, then that's just me making an excuse because I'm being nice to myself mm. instead of figuring this out, you know. And it's yeah. no, it's, you take a moment to think. Okay, self-compassion should be um, something that is, is more gentle and actually helps you do something, like like learn from it and move forward. Yeah, right. Compassion doesn't eradicate
0: responsibility. Right. Exactly. It, it just Takes away the noise and the stickiness of shame. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I did this. I mean, as adults, we learn that like we can literally do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, God forbid, kill someone because you have that I ability. I wasn't expecting yeah, you know, to go like, there. I I was like, No, but you, you could do
1: any you, dream. You,
0: no, you can do anything, but you right. also can't escape the consequences of your actions. Oh, yes. Like, and holding both of like, I can make any choice that I want, and I will always have to. There's always consequences to choice, and that's not negative consequences, there's always after effects. And then, mm-hmm. what happens when we use shame as a tactic to change ourselves or to keep ourselves in line is that we stay more stuck. Mm-hmm. And with self compassion, there's an ease, there's a flow. Okay, I did that, this was the consequence. It's not an effective
1: choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's an important point you bring up where when people go into intuitive eating with that rigidity of, okay, perfect intuitive eater, hunger, fullness, like, gonna keep to that. And then they don't keep to their fullness, and then they think they're, and then they spiral because like, yeah. oh, I didn't keep to my fullness, I'm so bad. And then it becomes an emotional eating yeah. experience. Um, and when, again, emotional eating is not bad, but we're talking more about the ones where it, it like, it, it's, um, dysregulated emotional mm-hmm. eating, right. Um, and so then I are like, intuitive eating doesn't work for me. Um, but if you were to go with, like you said, with self-compassion and then someone, um, let's say does binge eat or something, um, it, it doesn't, you're, you're able to connect. You have the, like you said, it turns off the noise in your mind and then you're able to work through the situation and learn from it and say, okay, what happened there yeah. what can I learn from it if you don't have self-compassion and you're judging yourself you're completely missing out on what's my body telling me what happened prior like you're you're missing yeah. out on patterns of eating was that I, might I be triggered continuing. was I triggered yeah. um, how can I protect myself from that trigger next time and so this you know this progress that you could be making is completely missed out on because you're being you, you're caught up in being judgmental to yourself and thinking that, it's never gonna work for you or you're not good enough because you eat food, Yeah. you know? If you think about it in those terms, like you, you the, think about the negative mean things that are said for eating food. Is it, is it like, you yeah. know? It just, I think it just makes a sense. very powerful paradigm shift
0: is to view it in the context of self-parenting. Mm. As a kid, it's your parents' job to feed you to make sure that you're safe, to make sure that you brush your teeth, to make sure you wake up on time. As an adult, it is your own responsibility. So, as adults, we're tasked with self-parenting. But what kind of parent do you want to be to your inner child? Imagine like screaming at a kid because they ate too much.
1: Oh, that hurts me. Yeah. Like, I just like felt that stab. Like,
0: yeah, it's yeah. it's a, it's a really powerful context. Like yeah, there is space for, let's say, gentle nutrition, but there's more space of like, oh, like, how did that make you feel when, like, mm-hmm. you ate that way? Mm-hmm. Or, like, how does it make you feel when you can't, when I, when uh, overly restrictive parent, like, when mm-hmm. you're not allowed to? Like, we see it with kids all the time.
1: Restriction leads to acting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what you said, that question of how does it make me feel, that is part of gentle nutrition because then you can make choices that... Not that I'm saying, oh, you're going to make the the salad or whatever it is. But by connecting, we get so caught up in nutrition as facts and not bringing the back to letting your body be a partner in that.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I ate 400 calories for lunch, so I should be full. But never like checking in with your belly. Yeah. Like, how does that feel? Or what getting
1: type? curious about yeah. the types of food you ate and which ones work well with your body. Yeah. You know? Um, and then also, like, looking beyond... Yeah, like you said, like calories, for example. Even having an understanding of what that even means and how that interacts with your body, you know, uh, rather than just eat as little as possible. Yeah. Because that's basically saying, let me just um, be hungry. Yeah. So another way to be hungry.
0: Um, I opened um, my Instagram up for some questions, mm-hmm. and I got um, quite a few questions about... Let's do it. ...about can you want to lose weight and intuitive eat, which I think, eat intuitively, which I think is like a really big question that people come to this with because it's so hard to let go of diet
1: culture, diet mentality, mm-hmm. and the aspiration for fitness. That's a huge one, yeah, and actually I did, I also, I did like an entire podcast episode just for that. Like, can you eat intuitively and pursue intentional weight loss? And so the answer is, you know, Acknowledging, I think we first have to acknowledge that there are people who've done that. Um, because you'll be tempted to do that too. You'll see those people who are the minority. They do exist where they're like, well, I wanted to lose weight and I did intuitively and I did it in a healthy way and look at me. And they're the ones promoting mm-hmm. intuitively as a, as, as a diet, which I think it's not taking into consideration genetics. And yeah. like, um, yeah, that worked out that way for you. Um, and in our culture, you're applauded for that but you're also forgetting that um, you, your body allowed that to happen. And then the people who are eating intuitively and also eating very like well-rounded and in a way that feels good, but also enjoying you know, cake without guilt. Um, and in a way that you would call overall wholesome, um, they, they don't lose weight or they gain weight because of their history of restriction, mm-hmm. right? And they're thinking like, oh, I'm not doing it right. No, but you are. You're not doing anything wrong. Bodies, you can, we can all eat exactly the same. And, and look different. So that's yeah. just a note on that, right? You know, there will be people um, who have done that, but they're in the minority. But rather than focusing on other people, let's look at your own history, right? When you focus on weight, what happens? Even when you choose to eat intuitively. Um, and I will say, by the way, from my, own, from my own history, so when I came back from seminary, which is, if anyone doesn't know that, that's like... A kind of a gap here uh, that some people choose to do with judaic studies between high school and um the rest of your life basically yeah. <laughs> i call it like the bridge to life Oh yes. um, and there's this thing right i don't know if you've had it it's like you gain weight like it's yeah. inevitable you're gonna gain weight it's almost like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. like everyone does put on weight because you're just living like just a a nutty life, also, um, and so then when I came back, I had that was my first epiphany that diets don't work. I mean, I still obviously had ways to go, but yeah. I was like, anytime I think of the word diet, A.K.A. restriction, I just want to eat the house down. Yeah. So I was like, diet doesn't exist in my in my verbiage. Like it's just not not about my vocabulary, whatever. It's just not there. You know, what? I'm just gonna eat when I'm hungry. I kind of did that. Like I yeah. kind of discovered intuitive eating, but still within the diet realm. Like I'm gonna eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. And there was sort of that piece, like like peace with food of, you know, oh, there's always going to be delicious food around. I'm going to eat the delicious food once I lose X amount of weight. So mm. it was like half, it was like there mm. but not there. And I will say for about like six, seven months, food was, it was a dream. Like it was a dream in terms of what people hope intuitive eating to be. Like food wasn't stressful. I was able to say no to cookies. And then I did lose the weight and I felt amazing. And it, it was just like, I'm like, oh, it's so peaceful. But the minute I started having those things again, the cookies, back to binge eating. And then over a period of two years, I gained all the weight back. Um, and so it's important to recognize that like, the the focus on weight eventually for you. Look at yourself, what happens. That's And I think it's also mm. important to say to acknowledge that your desire for weight loss is not bad. It doesn't make you a bad person. You're just... Because sometimes I'll have clients come like, okay, Rachel, I know that, like, I want to lose weight and I shouldn't. And I like, no, you, you should, like, you of can feel whatever lose you want. Weight. We, live in, yeah. we
0: live in a society where, like, so much value is based mm-hmm. on our bodies. Of course we want to lose weight. Like, the, the novelty here is to say, like, maybe my whole life shouldn't be about losing weight.
1: I think it's about, firstly, you know, acknowledging... The way to eat in, in, intuitively, um, and let's say you're like, I want to eat intuitively and lose weight. Well, you can do this. Acknowledge your desire. But yeah, I, I do want to lose weight. But then also saying, okay, I see you, I see that thought, but I'm not going to let you decide for me today.
0: Yeah, and is that is
1: like, how do
0: I behave when I hold that thought? Yeah. How do I feel when I hold that thought? Check in with your body. Do you feel a tightness? Do you feel an openness? Mm-hmm. Do you feel a peace, or do you feel a restriction, a scarcity
1: mm-hmm. in, in your body? Yeah,
0: in your body, and our bodies react to our thoughts. If we mm-hmm. feel afraid, we tense up. Mm-hmm. If we feel at peace, our palms are up.
1: Yeah, I love that we're having like as a therapist mm-hmm. and dietitian this like a conversation because I think it flows so well in understanding that this is it's it's like holistic. It's holistic. And so when it comes to the question of can I desire weight loss and eat intuitively, um, it's about where where you're placing that desire and how you're responding to it. If you desire it, you can acknowledge it. But then ask yourself, okay, if I were to put weight at the forefront, how is that going to – can I really make peace with food? Because at the end of the day, there's always going to be that limitation of, okay, I'm gonna eat when I'm hungry, stop when I'm full, but I also, it has to lead to weight loss so I can, so that I really shouldn't have that slice of cake at my friend's yeah. birthday party when it looks really good and I really want it, but no, I, but you're restricting yourself, right? And I like, think there's
0: also the question of what does weight loss mean to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What does it represent to you? Mm-hmm. And then, does it mean being at peace with yourself? Because you can be at peace with yourself without losing weight. does it mean accepting yourself Because that can happen without losing weight. Mm -hmm. People think, oh, when I look like X, Y, or Z, I'll finally accept myself. Mm -hmm. I'll finally be at peace with myself. And if you can't accept yourself right here and now, nothing or no one can shift that. Mm -hmm. We can look externally for looking a certain way or getting a promotion or a partner. But self-acceptance
1: is an internal process. Mm-hmm. And I will say a note on that for anyone who's, who's listening, who's like, I, you want me to accept this? Like, what? I, what? Like, there, you know, there are people who just, and there's also so much, um, especially someone who was bullied as a child, and like, the, might have trauma around that. And I wanted to be clear to them that, you know, accepting yourself doesn't mean you have to love your body. You can love yourself and not love your body. It's about learning to be kind and respect your body regardless of what it looks like. Even if you don't love how it looks, you love yourself enough to care for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an important point of what does acceptance actually mean. It doesn't mean like falling in love with yourself. It means Mm -hmm. I accept myself. This is my body. This is my home Mm -hmm. for as long as I'm alive. What type of relationship do I ha- want to have with it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I could wish I had a different home, but this is my home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I accept that this is my home and I can't change homes. And how do I want to live in this home?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's very powerful. And, you know, you absolutely can like, make your home as homey as you possibly can, you know, That's and comfortable it, to live in as possible. Yeah, yeah. And so when it comes to the weight loss aspect of things, it's also bring it back to body trust. If your body wants to lose weight, it will. And if it doesn't want to lose weight, then what price are you paying by trying to push it to? And if you can look at your own history. Is that getting you anywhere closer to where you want to be with your body, with your food, with your life? And I think a lot big part of it is just. Practicing trust because there will be people who will lose weight as a result. There will be people who gain weight There will be people who stay the same Um, But that factor as humans we like a lot of control But it's just really learning to lean into the process and control what you can And what does trust look like as a practice in this space? Trust in your body. Yeah Um, First of all, it's it's really believing that it knows best and I think in the beginning it could be very, um, like unsure because you've been so disconnected from your body for so long. You can't even, sometimes you can't even tell your cues clearly. Like you'll feel hunger, but you've doubted it for so long. It's like, but am I really hungry? Should I eat? Should I not eat? Then you get stressed out. Then your hunger cues you suddenly disappear because stress suppresses them, and they're like, "Well, wait, I'm not hungry." You know, it gets confusing. <laughs> and then they come back yeah. screaming, exactly like, "But now I'm starving," mm-hmm. and then like also, you know, and then you have as women, we have our period cycle mm-hmm. and different things that can. What's happening now? Now I'm craving all the things. Is this normal? Um, and so I think. Trust in this space starts with first get to know your body, and really listening and learning its language, you know? so I think a
0: lot of times we're like, I'll trust if I can have a guaranteed outcome, mm -hmm. which trust means there's no guaranteed outcome, but you're trusting- That's what trust is. You're trusting for your own sanity. You're not trusting to have a certain outcome, you're trusting because if I don't trust, I am completely dysregulated i'm anxious i'm controlling and none of my efforts help Mm -hmm. so i'm choosing to trust for my own sanity
1: i will say part of trust also that's very helpful is understanding scientifically like biologically what's happening in your body that Mm -hmm. gives people a lot of safety in understanding their body because a lot of times they'll be like no i can't eat that because this and that's going to happen and a lot of it is diet culture like things that they learn that are not true and so it's very empowering to understand You know, what does it actually mean, calories, energy? What's happening in your body that you feel hunger and why do you need to eat? What, How does that interact? What's happening in your body when you eat and feel fullness? And so understanding, like, and not in like crazy, fancy scientific terms. Mm -hmm. I explain this all the time in terms of just blood sugar and energy Mm -hmm. and how that relates to feeling hungry and full. And I use the analogy of a car. Right? Where mm-hmm. it's like you put fuel, if you keep driving, you keep living, the fuel's gonna go down, you're gonna get a ding to fill up, you get a hunger cue to fill up, because your body needs it. It knows mm-hmm. how to use it. When you give gas to a car, it knows how to use it, it needs it, otherwise, it's gonna crash and burn in the middle of the highway, right? You're never gonna like keep driving without gas, mm-hmm. so why are you doing that to your body? And so I think part of the trust is, especially initially for anyone who's scared, what's super helpful is understanding. How your body works without all the diet culture layering yeah. on top. Which they, what resources you know. would you recommend? Because I
0: think, like something that's so damaging, which we spoke about before the podcast starts. A lot of times when people are getting help for like eating disorders or like they notice they have disordered eating, they're thrust right back into diet culture, because
1: oh yeah, in yeah. terms of they go get help and then that help is not aware of intuitive eating at help at every size. Yeah,
0: like I have so many patients that went to therapists. For binge eating disorder and they Mm -hmm. were recommended a specific diet like oh have you tried keto oh god yeah which is like appalling to hear so what resources would you recommend for people that are curious to start this journey in terms of wanting professional help well I would say in terms of education in terms of yeah what where would you say someone who is thinking about starting this journey where should they start
1: so go back to the book Definitely the intuitive eating book, um, the health at every size book, uh, following experts in this field, you know, dietitians that, and, and, and now that you've kind of listened to this, um, podcast, hopefully like it's a clearer sense of pe- people, will take intuitive eating and hijack it and make it into a diet, making it look like it's not a diet. They'll take concepts of it to make it look, their diet look more appealing and doable, um, and I think also like diets like Weight Watchers have caught on that extreme dieting and stuff. People are waking up. yeah, And they're like, okay, we have to keep fooling them? So we're going to yeah. call it the wellness that works. And we're going to put all this layering of like self-care into it and emotional eating. But at the yes. end of the day, you're still counting points. The bottom line is still get small. Yeah,
0: what's the bottom line? Yeah. That's a very good question. When someone's yep. selling you, first of all, if someone's selling you. Mm-hmm. Like there's a profit to be made, and profit there's no profit to be made if a diet worked, because you're a one-time yeah. consumer. Yeah.
1: Weight Watchers wants lifetime members. By the way, mm. even I think I, I don't remember who it was. You could easily Google this, but I think the CEO, or he's on record, or she's on record. Sorry, I don't have the details, but I know that one of the people like in charge and stuff. They're I remember on the same thing. Yeah, on record for saying that. I don't want to get it wrong, but like a big percentage, maybe eighty percent. A big percentage of their revenue comes from recurring customers. So they're dependent on you, Facebook. Diets don't work, yeah. Exactly. Isn't that insane? Um, It literally
0: makes my blood boil.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. And the thing is, they're big enough to know the research on how diets don't work. They've had enough publicity and people telling them about intuitive eating to know but they have too much to lose. They have a bottom line, they need to make profit. Exactly. And they profit off our insecurities. what's worse is that they're catering to teens and kids, which is scary. But the point is, back to your question of how can someone get help, I think, number one, recognize, let's do damage control as a first step. Recognize when someone is offering you um, actually a diet, see the, see the, the, the signals, right? And choose like, okay, no, 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 that's not for me. If they're saying, if you do this, you'll eat intuitively. It'll be so amazing and peace with food. And bottom line, check out this before and after that's you know, not something, that, especially if you have an eating disorder, yeah. is going to be, be so triggering. triggering. Um, especially because it's so convincing. It's so convincing and, and tempting. And you're only normal and human if you're tempted to. Like, don't feel like you're going backwards in your journey. You're just learning and, and moving forward. Um, and so, I think that's number one. Just be aware of the of this of the red flag, so to speak, so as where not to go. Um, and let's say you are, um, you know, okay. So then there's the intuitive eating book. And then if you are looking for someone to help you with, like a professional to help you with, um, kind of just take some time to, you know, find out more about them. Yeah, ask good S- speak with them, ask good questions, you know, to m- kind of filter out the possibility that they'll ever tell you do keto when you have a binge eating yeah. <laughs> disorder type of thing. So I guess research, now that you know this information, just research that they're really about healing your relationship with food and health, like holistic health um, that will best serve you. We're... Um,
0: pretty Much at the end of our time, I wanted yeah. to ask where can people find you if they so, want to hear more from you?
1: Yeah, so my favorite platform is Instagram, so that's at dietitian.rachelgoodman. Um, I, I post there all the time. I'm Instagrams gonna link to it, well. yeah, yeah, at dietitian.rachelgoodman. I also have a website, uh, rachelgoodnutrition.com. I have a podcast too, um, it's called More Than What You Eat, it's on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, I think, like in most places. Um, more than what you eat podcast I'm trying to think I think that's like is that all of it yeah I mean that's where you can find and if people want to
0: reach out to you what's the best way to get in touch with you
1: Um, you can follow me on Instagram Um, I try to keep up with my DMs but if you have something you're like you 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 know like like working together one on one or um, I don't know spe- you want me to come for an event or I mean it's COVID times but I don't yeah, know you yeah. know what I'm saying like anything like that or collaboration whatever it is um, you can email me rachel at rachelgoodnutrition.com because I just don't always get to I try with the DMs I just don't always get to them like on a, in a timely manner so yeah that's where you can reach me thank you so much for coming in today I really appreciate it thanks for yeah. having me this was such a great conversation thank it's you
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, let me know. Like, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm always open to feedback and suggestions. So reach out to me on Instagram at Hello Therapy. Thank you so much. And I'll see you here next time.